Hello, my name is Ellen O'Farrell. I'm a 21-year-old woman based in Dublin. Uh, recently, all my future plans went to shit and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. So if you'd like to hang on and stay around for the journey, please do. You are more than welcome and hopefully enjoy this week's episode. So hello, um, I'm joined by my wonderful grandmother today um, and we're going to be talking about addiction. So uh, I say this to everyone before we start, but usually I cut it out or I say it okay. before um, we start recording. Okay. So it's basically just that if you know you record I can cut things out and I do quite regularly like um when I was talking to Matthew I realized I said specifics about my job and then so later I cut those out you know things like that um so if you say something and later you're like you're doing happy with yeah yeah. cut it out that's fine yeah Yeah. or you know and I'll let you know before I post it in case you have any last minute where you're like either there's something I said or I actually don't really want that up or anything like that so it's fine yeah perfect Perfect. so what we're doing today is I have a couple of questions um that we can kind of just use as like a springboard to okay. like for the conversation. But we been... um, do you want to introduce yourself or do you want yes. me to introduce you? I'll introduce myself. Yeah. I'm Helen. I'm Ellen's grandmother. Very proud of Ellen. <laughs> and I love her very much. Oh, and um, <laughs> I've been delighted to have her visiting me here in Dunkerhaven in the sunny southeast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's it's a little bit um, misty, but it's beginning to sit. Yeah, the sun is beginning to come calm, out. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and am I right in am I right in saying actually you're a licensed counsellor? Yes. Yeah. I, I was practicing counselling uh, when I was working. Yeah. Was part of my job. Yeah. As um, a literacy organizer in John Garvin. Yeah. And uh, often I got people to come in with other problems. <laughs> yeah. So I had to have, um, you know, some counselling training. Yeah, of course. Training. So that I used it, you know, but I never really set up on my own or anything like yeah. that. It was just part of my job. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. You've, um, you've had a very, very interesting and impressive life. Really? And oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were a teacher for quite a few years as I well. I was and... a teacher in England yeah. for a few years. Then I returned to Ireland. Mm-hmm. But because Irish was, um, you know, it was... Uh, uh, you had to have Irish in order to teach in in, in Ireland. Yeah. And in those days. Yeah. This is in this uh, late sixties, early seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't teach here, so I trained then as um, a teacher for adults. Yeah. And particularly for adults with um, you know, little education and mm. that you know people yeah. who wanted to improve. Some of them did go on to do third level and second level education. Yeah. Some of them were happy just to be able to sign a cheque. Yeah. They, they, it was whatever they wanted. We yeah. adapted the programme to suit them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the reason we're kind of talking about addiction today, yes. and I, um, we've, so you do have a history with addiction oh, and I you do. also do work with addiction now. Am yes, I right? yeah, well, in, in the programme, I yeah. do, yes. Yeah. I do service. Yeah. You know, and it's um, like when I was about 18, mm-hmm. I started drinking when I went to England first. Yeah. I went to a place called Wiltshire, mm-hmm. and myself and my flatmate, 
mm-hmm. had to stay in, in um, Swindon for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time we decided we were going to buy a bottle of vodka <laughs> and a bottle of gin. Yeah. Because there was foot and mouth disease here in oh, England. Okay. And we were asked by the Irish government not to come home. Oh, and okay. of course we were thrilled <laughs> because we didn't we were yeah. to do whatever we liked. Yeah. Now uh, we were only training both of us at the time. Yeah. And we had our own flat, and we had met two boys. Yeah. You know, so. much older than ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So we decided now they, they, they didn't stay with like you know we just went on dates in those days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they were to call up Christmas Day. So we had the, the vodka and the gin ready, mm-hmm. and we were playing. We had bought a new um, album, a new CD, yeah. to put on the record player. Uh-huh. And I think it was, I forget the name exactly now, but mm. it was um, The Beatles. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, they had, it was just their new record. Yeah. And we decided we'd drink and we'd play music for the yeah. day. We yeah, never, we, we never yeah. thought about food, funnily enough. <laughs> we just, we, we, I think we had yeah. a pound of sausages and a few rashers in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we decided we'd, um, you know, we'd, we'd just hang out for the day. Yeah. So we meet, we forgot to buy mixers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So somebody brought, one of the boys then brought something with them. And we mixed it. I can't remember whether it was, I think it was orange squash or something like that. Mm-hmm. We put in and of course, we didn't like the taste, but we yeah. liked the effect. Yeah. Well, I liked the effect. Yeah. And we put the music louder and louder. Yeah. And um, we danced around yeah. the flat. And we had a fantastic day. Yeah. Absolutely. But the best day I remember in all my life. All my fears disappeared. Yeah. All my shyness went away. Yeah. All my, you know, I, I, f- I found I had much more confidence yeah. after having a drink. And I thought, this is the way to go. Yeah. This is the end of all my problems. I've solved my problem. I found the secret. So, um, yeah. So that that's was like a, your first kind of proper experience getting drunk. Getting basically. drunk, basically, yeah. yes. But I didn't know I was drunk. I just thought I was happy, clappy, you know, delighted yeah. with myself. Yeah. And everybody were lovely and the music even sounded better and I could hear the words and the lyrics, you know, and everything were, you know, fantastic. Yeah, and everything sounded, sounded better, better and felt better. And, and people, they, they, yeah. the boy that I was with even looked nicer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was even fashion. Yeah, I think they call that beer goggles, don't they? <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the questions I have, basically, they're very vague. And so you can kind of take them as, you mm. know, how uh, you can kind of make them as personal yeah. as you want or as vague as you want. Yes, or it's completely okay. up to you. Okay. So the first one I have, um, oh, it's important to say as well. The, the reason I kind of really wanted to talk about this, and I said this to you earlier, but yes. just while we we're recording, is um, I think a lot of people now about my age, if they're predisposed to issues like addiction, um, it's kind of around this age where it becomes maybe more apparent than it was before. Of course. Um, and I think now with how... Um, it's a lot more talked about than it was. It's um, it's good to be able to kind of talk about these things before they become a really big problem. Yes. So the first question, that leads me on very well, so the first question is, um, would you have advice as to how you might spot that you're becoming reliant on a substance or you're perhaps developing an addiction? 
Well, usually I think listening to people in the rooms, mm -hmm. uh, young people who come in first, I think what they, and what I felt, I suppose, at the beginning was I felt restless, irritable mm -hmm. and discontented. Yeah. In a, in, you know, at a particular time or a little event might happen, mm -hmm. which made me feel restless, irritable and discontented. Okay. And um, that was the time that I would take a drink. Mm -hmm. And then after taking the drink, I would, um, you know, become good my feelings I'd relax uh -huh. I'd become carefree happy yeah. and I'd feel belonging and accepted by everybody around me yeah. and I think that was the comfort thing of us you yeah. know and I that was you know exaggerated and I think you know young people they often feel disconnected from other people until they maybe have a drink when they begin yeah. when they're starting out socializing okay. you know and making friends and all of that and um yeah that's so, really like yeah. how would you is is there kind of a way you'd um distinguish between being for example you know a lot of people do have a bit of anxiety about being around people and drink will help with that is there a difference between that and the development of an addiction, do you That's think? That's right, there is. Yeah. Um, yes. A person that would be prone to alcoholism or addiction uh, to drugs or anything, they would continue drinking or using Yeah. until while the other people have stopped. You know, the other people have actually oh, stopped. Okay, okay. And they've gone home maybe happy after so many, just yeah. merry, you know. Yeah. Whereas the person with... Um, uh, you know, prone to addiction would continue possibly. Mm -hmm. Like I would always bring home a drink with me. Yeah. Later okay. on, when in my drinking career, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the very beginning. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I would be feeling like, you know, I'd have a few drinks like everybody else, but I'd always be, I'd always finish my drink. I'd often wonder. They're leaving wine in the glass. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No, they didn't finish the drink. wine. <laughs> Imagine, you know, leaving it. Yeah. And I often, you know, kind of thought this is the difference because a lot of my friends weren't, you know, prone to any addiction and they would be happy enough after maybe three or four drinks. Yeah. But, um, and then they're me, tired. Yes, and, and then they're tired and they say, we want to go home. And, like, I'd be thinking, well, I'd go home with them, but I'd be thinking, oh, it's a bit of a letdown now, a bit of a bummer. You that know? we're not partying well, The party on. isn't going on. Yeah. And, like, sometimes we'd say, we'll go to somebody's flat, because mm -hmm. I was in a flat in Dublin, obviously. Uh, they'd, I'd be delighted. Like, that would be another, you know, kind of extension of their feelings. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, this is going to last. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, mm. So, yeah, this is, I think, quite a big question. Mm. But... You know, once you recognize that you might have a problem or be reliant on a substance, and as you were saying earlier, you know, we're talking about alcohol, alcoholism specifically because um, you have experience in the AA, mm -hmm. but this can apply to anything, really. Yes, any substance. Any substance. Um, mm -hmm. And so once you realize you do have a problem, yes. what is the next step? Like, what do you think you should do? Well, what you should do and what people with addictions do are completely different. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Yeah. Yes. When a person with an addiction 
problem with colours. No, yeah. they feel that they don't have it. It it's they have a an obsession of the mind, mm-hmm. and the mind tells the person yeah. that they don't have a problem yeah. and that they can continue using mm-hmm. or drinking yeah. and their friends are the first people or maybe family mm-hmm. who would say to them, do you think you're drinking too much? I'm worried about your drinking. Yeah. Or maybe somebody might say just a little, oh, you were, you know, you're very silly last night and then suddenly you can't remember. Yeah. Can't remember what you said. Yeah. Who you were with, even who yeah. you were speaking to, that's going down the road, that's getting quite bad now, you know. But mm. at the very beginning, you get little flashes of what happened after that? Yeah, Do you know, you remember being in the pub, maybe you're yeah. in the a flat or with people, yeah, and suddenly you can't remember how did you get home? Yeah, because that's you know? really interesting. Because mm. mm. I know, like in mm. Ireland and the UK specifically, there's mm. a big source of blackout culture of you drink until you black out that's right and um i i have experienced blacking out you know regularly enough um as i think most people my age do but it's it's kind of funny to think about it and go first of all it's not healthy and second of all you can't like what's the point in having the good night if you can't remember it and being around friends if you can't remember exactly yeah. yes because you're beginning to depend then yeah. on some substance to make you happy and to enjoy yourself yeah and once you start depending on the substance or you can't go and enjoy yourself without something or maybe one or two something a drink or a smoke or a whatever you know you're using that is kind of beginning to little alarm bell just say cut down yeah and if you can control the cutting down well then you you have probably don't have a problem more than likely oh, okay. if you make a decision okay. yeah but with a, with an alcoholic or a, an addict yeah they might make the decision yeah but they they are not well, able to through. stop yeah it's not their fault because it has been recognized mm. by the um World Health Organization yeah. as an actual disease. Yeah. So therefore, it's an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body. Okay. So once the substance goes into the body, yeah. Apparently, it sets up the craving for more. So once the craving is set up, you know, with the allergic reaction to the substance, and the mental obsession which says. Oh, continue on. I have no problem. I can easily stop whenever I want to. Okay. But then they find, actually, I can't stop. You know, and they just continue on and they might go home alone and drink at home on their own, maybe. Yeah. When everybody else are gone. And then yeah. they become, you know, it's almost like a dependency then starts to develop. Because I think it's yeah. it's difficult to recognise, you know... I, I heard the thing of if you celebrate in the same way you commiserate, then you might need to kind of have a look at that. If it's like a substance. Yes, yes. And I think, again, it's so common and in our society that like, um, you know, I think it's very easy. And I think I would do the same if, if um, I'm having a really bad night, if I've had a really difficult day, if I've had bad news, like... And, you know, I'll go to my friends, I'll go, that's it, we're going out, we're going to the pub, we'll get a bottle of wine in, we'll... Do you know what I mean? And I think it's but you very... Can, you can decide when you've went to stop. Yeah, that's yeah. That's different to being an alcoholic yeah. being, uh, to being an addict. An addict can't decide when to stop once okay. they've started. Okay. They okay. might have all good intentions 
to have, you know, just enough, maybe a bottle of wine or whatever. And then yeah. it turns out that that's not enough, mm -hmm. that they want to continue this. Okay. And they think yeah. this feeling of relaxation, acceptance and kind of being joyful, they're actually powerless. They become powerless. Mm -hmm. They are not, they have no power in them to stop, you know. Yeah. And this is where um, an admission of powerlessness uh, over alcohol or drugs mm -hmm. is the cornerstone of the foundation of recovery when you remember that you're actually powerless over it okay when, when you when you realize yeah oh gosh i i did decide maybe 10 yeah. times this has happened yeah and i never could stop when i wanted to and when i decided to yeah you know like it it yeah. controls you as opposed to you having control exactly. over it yes that, yeah. that begins to control you and it's not easy for anybody with and mm. with an addiction to believe that they are powerless because nobody wants to be powerless over anything you know we all want to take control of ourselves and we feel we have full control you know mm. and i once thought i had and um uh, i like really we are not we're powerless over many things yeah like over what people think of us and if we if we miss the bus we're powerless over that yeah we're powerless over many things and but we're not powerless over a lot of things also. Yeah. I'm we're not powerless over negativity and our own attitudes. Okay. And I'm not powerless over assuming responsibility for my own recovery mm -hmm. once you realise that you have a problem. So in the sense yeah. like there is if you are in addiction, mm -hmm. are you kind of saying there's no way you you're by yourself can fix it? Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the um, that's the the kernel really yeah. of the beginning of recovery yeah. when you realize you don't have the power anymore and you have to uh, seek help and you know a lot of particularly you know addicts they 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 find it very difficult to ask for help this because mm. mentally they are geared to believe that they can control everything about mm. themselves in particular and some some people think they can control other people and it's 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 an awful it's a it's a great step in humility to realize that actually the ego doesn't um is a bit slower you know a bit yeah. lower than we thought yeah actually we need to get rid of the ego in order to recover and kind of um, like be able to sort of um put your hands up and say, I know this has a stigma, but I am going through this. And because um, I think what I'm trying to say is I think there's this image that people have of like almost, and this is maybe where the stigma comes from. Well, why don't you have the strength exactly. to overcome this? Exactly. And But that's not what's going on. And it's not about having strength. It's no. about, I suppose, maybe having the strength to realize but not you don't no one would be able to do that all by themselves no no and you do need to seek help and i think once you seek help mm. and you have the the i suppose really the self knowledge yeah to realize that it's not easy yeah it's not easy at all to yeah. kind of step down off your pedestal and realize oh do you know something i can't beat this myself i mean most addicts try several, several times mm -hmm. and some to the point of death, you know, that they can't stop. Yeah. And they, they're too proud to ask for help. Yeah. You know, they think, 
well, I'm going to let myself down. What are people going to think of me? I'm going to be, you know, people are going to be looking at me differently or saying things like, um, oh, she's, you know, or he's, um, he's, 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 you know, he's an alcoholic, he's a drug addict, you know, or like, you know, especially in the olden times, you know, when I was growing up, we thought of alcoholics as people in the, in, in the gutter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Try, you know, kind of sleepless, homeless, and, and yeah. homeless, and with an old coat with a twine around it yeah. or something, and bottles in the bag, you know, yeah. and thrown on the side of the street. That's not what alcoholism is yeah. at all. That's mental illness in, with alcoholism. Because I'd be right know. in saying, um, through your life, you've seen a huge change in probably how it's seen and how it's dealt with. Mm. Is that fair to say like I know there's still probably a long way to go with it and yes, yes. um but would you be able to maybe talk about some of the changes you've sort of seen through oh my goodness when I went first for treatment I went to a, a you know a rehab yeah and Ashari in care and now it was very good mm-hmm. but there was mostly men mm-hmm. and I think myself and one other woman mm-hmm. and we like we felt so different to everybody, and the men yeah. even felt, you know, that it was a shame. It was the shame, but once we realise honesty is the first thing, we need to be honest with ourselves first yeah. of all. And I realised that I don't care what people think. I I want to be well. And once I learned in yeah. the treatment centre, in the rehab centre, that I I did have a disease, mm-hmm. that it wasn't my fault, and yeah. that I'm, you know, like tr- getting treatment for any for disease. anything exactly. Yeah. And I've seen over the years so many young people coming in before they hit rock bottom, yeah. because there, there there's now a great you know over yeah. the years I've seen great mm-hmm. awareness taking place and people like famous people speaking out about their addictions yeah. whereas in our day there was no such thing it was all hidden and everybody who were drinking were all a hide you know and yeah covered up by the family and typically um the typical lace curtain yeah. irish you know yeah. what i mean what will the neighbors think do you know that wasn't yeah. the main thing and don't tell anybody god don't tell anybody you're yeah. an alcoholic or you have a problem with anything you know yeah pretend it was all pretense now i can see young people coming out and it's so lovely to see them yeah. thriving and going on in their lives and loving their lives, being happy and joyful and having children, the children yeah. and, and well brought up. And mm-hmm. whereas when you bring up children as an alcoholic, they're just dragged up, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now I see young people coming in and they're so, you know, like they get it in time, you know. So a lot of them now in fairness they do have slips we call it you know yeah. they think this time it could be different oh, now I've been I know doing so all well, about like, now that I know all about it I can go back now and I'll have a drink and this time yeah. I'll drink in moderation and this is a very common because they haven't hit rock bottom you know yeah. and the rock bottom really is the point of when you can't live with, with a drink and you can't live without your drink. Yeah. So you're drinking just to survive, to cope. So you're drinking first thing in the morning, that's rock bottom. When you can't, it's it's yeah. a place of utter loneliness and despair where you don't know what to do and you're, you're practically suicidal yeah. at that point. Yeah. Now, a lot of young people come in before they get to that point because they realise what's down the, the line for them if they don't get help, you know. Because it's more talked about, I suppose. Exactly. I, I think kind of what I'm hearing is the main 
driving force behind getting rid of stigma in anything, not just addiction, is to be able to talk about it openly and freely about yourself yes. and, yes. you know, yourself included, um, particularly as someone who, because do you mind if I ask how long you've been sober for? 23 years. Been sober for 23 years. Yes. <laughs> you were, I suppose, going uh, through the throes of it when there was a lot of stigma and then you were, you know, you've done well, a lot of work. it crept up on me very gradually, very gradually, from the age of 18 and then I would spend long periods of time not drinking and I would bring up my children reasonably well. Yeah. But then I would maybe meet a crowd and we'd all come back to my house and we'd have a park and we'd be drinking too much and mm. it kind of escalated from there in yeah. my late 30s, early 40s, but that's unusual, you know. Yeah. People usually continue drinking. Mm. It's not that unusual. Everybody, you know, slightly, if you're an alcoholic, yeah. you either go gradually or very quickly. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's usually, yeah. I hear them now talking about it's very quickly because um, young people now, they, <clears throat> it's, more, it's more acceptable for young people to be drinking. And they say, oh, they're only young, they're having a party, they're out. Yeah. An all night session, you know what I mean? But that's fine. But it's 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 for an addict, an addict it's not fine because it, it gives them the impression that they're okay. If you if you if you're not an addict you can decide to stop now tomorrow and you're fine. You, you might die of a hangover for a day or two. Yeah. And that's it, you're finished then. And then you're back at work and you're back doing college or whatever yeah. you're doing. And but the alcoholic doesn't they continue drink maybe little bits at first and maybe mm. then it escalates and then people start noticing you know that um yeah oh no no sorry yeah I was just I was actually gonna say because that like leads us very well on to um another question I yes. have for you yes. um so I'm gonna skip one and come back to it I think mm. but I just thought that led on to this one really well so I suppose there's kind of two ways you could interpret this so. What I wrote down is, is there a way you can manage your life to be able to enjoy substances without them taking your, over your life? But from what I'm hearing from what you've been saying, you either can or you can't. Exactly. And uh, you don't get choice over that. It's like it's like you're pregnant or you're, you're not pregnant. <laughs> yeah. You can't be a little bit pregnant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it's the same with, with any addiction. You're either an addict or you're not. Because I suppose yeah. then, so what you're saying is, you know, there's like this idea of, if I'm an addict, I can just pull it back and have a little bit and be able to monitor myself and enjoy it. But you're saying... We just... all tried that. <laughs> People have been trying that for years. We tried, you know, changing from wine to beer, yeah. from beer to, to brandy, only drinking, you know, only drinking... Like at the weekends or something. At the weekends, yeah. only drinking you know, moderately, only drinking when you're with people, only, yeah. you know, making sure that you never drink alone. And, oh, it never, they never work when you're in that, when you're in that, say, yeah. alcoholic. You, you know, it doesn't work. <clears throat> you yeah. have to accept, and I think a lot of it you see is acceptance. And once you accept, once a person who is an addict accepts yeah. that this is what they are, and yeah. they recognise it, and they're, they're you know, out, come out with it, they're honest. I'm honest with themselves and honest yeah. with everyone around them. Just say, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not comfortable around people drinking for a while, maybe for the first two, one or two years. To that, it becomes just like 
anything you don't like or that you're addicted to, that you're allergic to, I should say. You know, you can be around people after a certain length of time mm -hmm. when you begin to understand what's happening to you. And, you know, I can like be entertain people with lots of drinking yeah. and smoking whatever they want to do it can bother me and it doesn't affect me that's after a long time yeah like first year or two especially to stay away change you know you're come don't go around with the same people and that because i suppose <clears> then <throat> one of the questions i have for you is like could you talk a little bit about um because i think you have some very very interesting things to say about this um about kind of what to do when you're spotting someone you love or know might have a problem and how you would handle going about that? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I would do is I would ask them, do they want to stop? Mm. And are they prepared for, you know, to get help? Because if, if they don't want to stop and if they're not prepared to be helped, yeah. well, then there's no point because you're only wasting your time. There's no point kind of begging No point someone. begging them, no, no. And they must want to, and they must have come to the either rock bottom or to the point where they realise <clears throat> they can't control their behaviour. They're, you know, using and that. Yeah. And they, they, they kind of are, you know, you kind of get the sense that they're ready now to, to do something about it. Mm. Well, basically, I would start by telling them about myself. It happened to me. And I wouldn't involve them. I'd just say, if you relate to anything at the end, if you you know, identifying yeah. with anything that I'm saying. You may you may or you may not be that or an alcoholic, but you know, I'm just telling you what happened to me. Because I'm right in yeah. saying mm. you still go to the meetings. I do. And um that's kind of how you I don't know how to phrase it. It's not like contribute, but that's kind of what you would do at the meetings is you would talk about your own experiences for perhaps people who are coming in yes. um like more recently or have mm -hmm. realized more recently mm -hmm. and uh, then letting them like relate to you as opposed to kind of having uh, i don't know how to put it like I having them just talk about themselves yes and... if they want to talk yeah. about themselves they can and they can pass yeah and there's also open meetings that people can go to and just listen and they don't have to contribute anything they just say I'm here to find out more about alcoholism or more about addiction. <coughs> there's um, you know, there's addiction counsellors and they would spot an addict straight away because mm. you know they would realise they wouldn't be with them anyway in the first place if they if they weren't concerned. But um, you know, there's I I personally believe that there's three parts to every human being. Yeah. There's um, physical, mm -hmm. psychological, and spiritual. Now. We usually recognise our physical parts because yeah. that's our body, and, that's what you and can we have see. to food and, yeah. you know, and everything. It's tangible, and our, yes, tangible something, yes. And then there's our um, psychological part, which is our mind mm -hmm. and what our ideas. Now, they are the two parts that are affected by addiction. Mm -hmm. The physical can destroy your kidneys, your liver, yeah. your pancreas. You know, you just die away slowly if you, if you continue yeah. and the, the <clears throat> psychological part is that you you lie to yourself you are full of resentment pity um all kinds of jealousy anger mm. hostility towards other people yeah. it's all everybody else is to blame but not you you know when you're a drinking alcoholic or a drinking addict but the spiritual part is ignored by most 
addicts, they mm-hmm. ignore that. And I would, well, certainly listening to people and everything, I would think that it would, you know, we, we just have starved our, our spiritual parts, which is in most need of care by yeah. people with um with this particular disease. Yeah. And I'm right in saying as well, like when you say spiritual, obviously you um are, uh, like w- what would you kind of define your, would you define yourself as a Christian? Not particularly. I would mm. define myself just as a spiritual being. Yeah. And uh, I consider myself a spiritual being living in a physical body. Because um, I think you've said this before and I find this really interesting. So yeah. while um, you believe in God and um, there, what you were kind of saying to me before is when you talk about spirituality, it's not about necessarily what you call it. It's the idea of a higher power or believing in something bigger than yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you see, I used to never believe in a higher power. Yeah. I thought I had all the power. I yeah. knew everything. It yeah. was all down to me. Mm. But since I developed my spiritual part of me, mm. I realised that actually I can hand it over to, like, the universe, the, the trees, the yeah. air, anything. Like, you can call it anything. Yeah. It could be anything. The sea, Nature. the waves. Yeah. It's like... You know, I found it very um, helpful when I discovered that the wave thinks it's just a wave, but it's part of the ocean, you know? Yeah. And um, we never step into the same river twice. Yeah. In other words, the river keeps moving. So yeah. therefore, we are actually part, we're like the wave in the ocean. Okay. And we're just part of the ocean, we're part of the, the greater, greater whole, you know what I mean? And the, that um, we are part of the spiritual um, part of the world and yeah. we are, we're all connected we're all connected mm. every human being in the world yeah. is connected we're all very much connected a lot more than we think we are we think we're all individuals little yeah. individuals going around you know we're the only person who thinks like this yeah. and we're the only one who can do this you know but actually this is what helps people when they realise this is this is really where I belong. In with these people who are all part of the same, the yeah. same idea. Yeah. And it's a relationship with your higher power you develop. Yeah. Now you can think of it as a person, as nature, anything you like, and you can call it anything you want. Yeah. I remember some fellow in Dublin one time was at a meeting and he was doing the chair. You know, one person starts off. They they kind of give the team almost. Yeah, team. and that's the chair. And, 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 yeah, the yeah. chair. And he he was he the chair then turned out to be what's your higher power, you know? Mm. And he said, Well, quite honestly, my higher power is a double checker bus. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear such funny things yeah, in there, you yeah. know. And they all laugh and there's great fun and joy, you know, yeah. because they're all we're all thinking along the same lines, do you know what I mean? Because I'm yeah. I think there is a misconception that yeah. uh AA and like and there's also like NA, which is NA, Narcotics Anonymous, yes. and there's there's multiple, multiple of those yeah, versions. But yeah. the I think there is a misconception that it's about basically God and Jesus, and you need to be a Christian. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. You, you can be an atheist. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to believe in anything, and you can make anything. The meeting could be your higher power. Mm. You can have anything. Something that you have no control over, basically. But that has all control. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. That's really and, interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that you can hand your part of you over to this person or this thing mm. that's that's going to take you and you surrender. You surrender to this higher power. 
Okay. Right. So surrender is a big part of recovery. When you get to the point of surrendering, yeah. your ego, your self, your mm. being, and you say, I hand myself over to my higher power today. That's why we say one day at a time. We don't try and make it into a big, huge yeah. lifestyle thing. Yeah. You know, we just do one day at a time. Because I suppose, yeah. um, question, yeah. what I wanted to okay. ask you is, because you talk maybe a little bit about what happens, like what happens after you've stopped the substance. Yes. What happens after you stop the substance? Your body, first of all, reacts in that it starts craving something. Starts, you know, because it doesn't, it's, it's, remember, it's a physical allergy you have yeah. to the substance, okay. right? And the minute you stop the substance, the body starts craving something. Well, I found what helped me, I can only talk about what helped me, and it's mm. like most people it helps, to drink an awful lot of um, you know, cool drinks, like um, yeah. sugary drinks, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what, lemonade, whatever it is. Yeah. To, you know, Current. once it's not alcohol, <laughs> yeah, blackcurrant juice, yeah, loads, and loads of sweets, chocolates, biscuits, anything at all that's a, your favorite sweets, yeah, because there's so much sugar in alcohol, yeah, that your body starts craving sugar, but you you think you're craving alcohol, but you're actually craving, but you're actually sugar. craving sugar, okay, okay, you know? yeah, and that's one of the things that helps with the physical withdrawal, okay. Now, the emotional withdrawal is quite difficult to handle because you have to kind of not you have to but it's better to um be totally honest with yourself because we all have defects and we've all had a history of maybe saying the wrong thing at the wrong time and blaming ourselves and feeling guilty and remorse yeah. after when we sober up think oh my god did i really do this oh my gosh that's what, not me what? at all that's not me yeah i didn't do, and somebody's not talking Jen, you you wonder why you you, you begin you become very hard on yourself and you you become kind of like oh i'm turned to drink myself you know so that's something to, be watched, yeah. to watch out for you will have to face head on your own defects you need a paper and a pen and you write down everything. Down what you're feeling. Um, I'm feeling stressed. Stressed. I'm feeling well. Stressed is kind of uh, it's a general word. But if you could think like I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling mm -hmm. depressed. I'm feeling um, you know, resentful. Yeah. I don't like that person. I'm dirty or something like that. You know, blame them for yeah. your misfortunes. Yeah. All of these things. You just have to, you know. Uh, suit up as they call it yeah. you know, you know, suit up and face it I'm strong enough now I have, I have control over my emotions so, and I'm going to be totally honest with myself so like I was told you know, I mean lots of people do but not everybody does everything they're told you, yeah, know, what I mean? yeah, but, yeah. you know you you find your own way meetings they say 90 meetings in 90 days will cure anybody Okay. And you get a sponsor, of course. That's very important. Yeah. To get a sponsor at the very beginning. Yeah. Because if you don't, you 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 can fool yourself into thinking, mm. I you know that wasn't my fault or something. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, and accepting every emotion that comes is just an emotion. It's just a feeling, and like that's important. But you do need somebody who is 
you know, at least sober for two years to become your sponsor, go through the steps. I hear them. a lot about the two years. I hear yeah. like, you know, things like you shouldn't have a romantic relationship no. until two years. It, it's and... excitement can trigger it as well. Okay. And okay. falling in love can trigger it. Yeah. Can trigger the emotional imbalance we'll call it yeah you no know, whatever yeah because yeah. then as well you yeah. told me about something before called i think it's like the pink cloud oh yes at the at the beginning yeah when you start recovery you 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 kind of oh you're top of the world yeah like, you know, i you say you're so proud of so yourself proud of and... yourself and you think this is brilliant i woke up this morning i had a brilliant day i yeah. went to a meeting i met lovely people yeah they were so nice to me and it's great and i'm on the phone you get phone numbers the minute you go in and yeah. they're all about you and making cutting coffee and i remember like one woman came in i was on the tees and i could see her hands shaking she was a young girl like really and she was i i just poured the coffee half full mm. and i thought god I hope she, but she was going like this shaking her head yeah. shaking you know, and she was so grateful for that much, for just for a cup of coffee to yeah. be made for her. Yeah. You know, and yeah. somebody to hug her, come her. Oh. That is like, we just make a point, especially of newcomers coming in, of being extremely welcoming, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, because yeah. I suppose, yeah. um, obviously through addiction, and you, know, um, you lose a lot of people, yes. and... Um, you know, as you said before, that's if you're you know someone in sort of active addiction, it's mm-hmm. and they don't want help. There's nothing you can do. Nothing so, you can do. So you have to walk away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I suppose then when people kind of become sober, they yes. there's probably so many people coming into their lives, coming back into their lives, people mm-hmm. they love and care about, new people there beginning to love and care about and exactly. I suppose it's probably you That's know right. yeah. so I would advise anybody just to try a meeting yeah if they if they've even the slightest suspicion that they may have a problem with. and there's no harm there's no harm yeah. in going you can go to open meetings it yeah. can say closed or open closed is for you know people who are and know they are addicts but for people who are just on the on the fence or whatever yeah they're not sure so it's no harm to go in. Yeah. They'd be welcomed, you know, come in. They just sit there. They say, I'm John. I'm here just to listen. And that's fine. Nobody's going to ask them anything. That's, you know, yeah. And just to listen. And yeah. um, I might do the last question then. Okay. And then we'll do okay. our, our last segment. So mm. this isn't so much necessarily about addiction. Yeah. But um, what, so obviously most of the people that listen to it are around my age. Yes. Um, and what kind of wisdom, if you will, <laughs> would you impart on people in their early 20s after kind of everything you've learned, whether that's related to addiction or I know that's a I very know, big question <laughs> there's so many things that I would have wished people had told me yeah when I was in my 20s yeah that I know now you know so yeah me, and I wish people had told me that it's 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 nothing to do with religion my spiritual self yeah that is absolutely it just opens new world to me yeah because there's nothing to do with the god for Beats that they think they have to go to mass every Sunday. Yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of people associate, especially in Ireland, with religion yeah. and with spirituality. But you know, if they, if I would believe that um, that part of me was starving and I was trying to fill it with all these substances. 
Okay. You know, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know I had a spiritual side. I, I kind of felt guilty a lot of time when I was younger about not going to some kind of church, you know, yeah. to be building. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. It is it, discovering for oneself the what is the spiritual side of yourself. Everybody has something different about them. You yeah. Know? But that to me opened a whole new like a whole new area of life. You know, it's yeah. opened a whole new um, window. Because yeah. I didn't know like existed. Another world. Like, yeah, like, it was yeah. like being in a room with uh, one window missing all my life until I found out my spiritual yeah. side. Yeah, know? and then there's and, a window on another wall and, and you can I see the other side of the room. <laughs> I've been looking out the, the wrong window yeah, all my yeah. life. Or like some people say, I had the ladder up against the wrong wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was trying to fix something at the top of the wrong wall. You know, and that to me, I think, was the best advice I could give to anyone yeah. growing up now. Yeah. Just to experiment. Yeah. Like go for meditation groups. Go to, yeah. you know, anything, anything that they think might help. But like you need other people around you to guide you a bit. Yeah, well we're mm. social creatures. We're social we? creatures. And yeah. I think isolation never, I wish, wish also people had told me, don't ever isolate. Yeah. Go and find people. Yeah. Who are think-alike, like yeah. you. You know, yeah. who, who can understand you're not you know you're not small talk small talk yeah. it's talking about greater things in life you know and greater yeah. things to a human being and the human race yeah. and how we're all connected to the greater good you know and i think that's to me would be the best advice yeah. i could give to oh, anyone that's really lovely yeah, um, so should we should we do the last the because okay. um you've heard the podcast before so you know we do a bit at the end yeah so we do um something uh you're proud of um something that maybe is making you feel a bit lost or troubled at the moment and then a goal for the future um and then i do the same but i'm really starting to struggle to think of something new but um should we both do maybe something we're we're proud of yes um, do you want to go first? Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can spend, yeah, because I, I have a Well, I suppose I am proud of facing my defects and becoming honest yeah. with myself because I spent a lot of time not knowing that I had any defects of character. Yeah. And now I know them all quite well. I'm mm. very familiar with them, but I welcome them. Yeah. And there's a beautiful poem, The Guest House. I don't know, do you yeah. want me to read, read it? Read it, yeah, no, okay. I'd love you to read it's it. It's written by Rumai. Okay. Yeah, and she says, This big human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Mm-hmm. Welcome them and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently swamp your house, empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honourably. He or she may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thoughts, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, yeah. because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of think, unless um, you have kind of anything specific to say about the other two parts, I think we should leave it there, because I think okay. that's a really lovely way okay. to leave it. Okay. But thank you so much for talking so openly. You're very welcome, <laughs> You're very welcome, darling. <laughs>